And talking about spiritual coverings, we're drawing this text from Numbers 19. This is the law when a man dies in a tent. All who come into the tent and all who are in the tent shall be unclean seven days. And every open vessel which has no cover fastened on it is unclean. So we're talking about how there is death at work around us. And the atmosphere, spirits, the enemy is, is seeking, the Bible said, like a lion, a roaring lion. Going about seeking whom he may devour. And whenever you have a covering, it covers your vessel. You are a vessel that, according to Scripture, contains the most sacred treasure that exists. And you have that in an earthen vessel. If you have a, a covering, you become protected from the contamination and the death that is at work all around us. I want to move to Numbers 14. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly, as I live, he's speaking to Moses, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. I want you to say that with me. All the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And God predicated that happening upon this promise. That it would occur truly as I live. In other words, if it does not happen, I am not going to be God anymore. Habakkuk 2 and 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge. The first verse said the, in Numbers said it will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Now it says the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Knowledge in the Hebrew means to know, to discern, to perceive, or to recognize. In other words, it is to use your cognitive and logical powers of deduction to assess and examine something and walk away with this conclusion. That is the glory of the Lord. What Habakkuk is saying is that there is a day coming when the world itself is going to recognize that the earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. Now, this is an important distinction. Um, let, let me ask you. It's, it seems quite cool up here. I don't want our ladies to freeze. Is it? Yeah, they're, they're saying yes. Okay, thank you, Brother Russell. And uh, I'd rather be warm. I, somebody keeps slipping up there and turning that thing down. Forgive me. I'm a fuss at whoever's doing that. Amen. Whoever you are, you just got fussed at. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> amen. Amen. amen amen we have a different language than the world does we have words in our vocabulary that they do not have in theirs so when I talk about what happened with Linda Miller being wheeled out of surgery and instead of losing her memory or awareness of who her family members were her ability to speak and having to be retrained in all these functions. She's joking with the doctors who perform the surgery. When I talk about that and people seek for an explanation, even the doctors say they can't explain that. They told her, they call her their miracle lady. I've got a language to describe that. That's called the glory of God. Amen. 
After 14 years, I have not lived a day with it without pain. And I've spent the last seven pain-free. And um, I didn't have any surgery. And I don't know how long it'll last. I'm hoping it lasts for the rest of my life. But just getting seven days has been like, thank you, Jesus. Now, they can't explain why that has happened because... They didn't do anything to correct any problems. But I, I have, I have a, a vocabulary to describe that. It's called, this is the glory of God at work. What happened with Joy Griffin that I mentioned, who was experiencing tachycardia, and knew it because she is one of the most highly regarded uh, nurses in, in our city. And then Lloyd says, where's Joy? And he's never met her in his life. And she stands and says, you're healed. Now, what is that? That is the glory of the Lord. The world that doesn't know God does not have the vocabulary to describe those kind of things. And therefore, it can't receive them or understand them. But there is a day coming when God said that even the world that presently doesn't have a working vocabulary to articulate an understanding of what I've just described is going to look and say, that is the glory of the Lord. That's how profound it's going to be. It's important that we say that. And how thorough will the glory of the, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord be in terms of people of the earth recognizing this is what is actually happening? The Bible said it will, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters do the sea. In other words, it's going to be a conclusion that every single human being will be able to deduce or make on the basis of what they are witnessing. That this is not man. This is not hype. This is not gimmickry. This is God. Father, I ask you to speak to us today and help us to understand what this means. Help us to receive your word. Give us the hearts to be able to receive it and give us spiritual understanding that we might grasp the eternal truths that have such incredible power to shape and direct our lives. In Jesus' name I ask and everybody said amen. I read the, the verse in, verses in Numbers 14 where Israel has now come to Jordan River, Kadesh Barnea. This is shortly after they were delivered from Egypt. Most Christians do not realize that was only about three weeks or so after they had journeyed out of Egypt. They came to the River Jordan. During the time that they were crossing through the wilderness... And even preceding that, back in captivity in Egypt, they had witnessed the manifest glory of God. They had witnessed the plagues that had come upon Egypt, which in turn did not touch the children of God. They lived in the land of Goshen. It was as though there was a sharp line drawn in the sand, a line of demarcation that separated between Israel and Egypt. And these horrific things were happening in Egypt but it stopped dead still once it got to that line that God drew in the sand where the boundaries of Goshen were because that's where his people lived. They were delivered that night 
out of Egypt. They came to the Red Sea. The waters of the Red Sea literally parted. They walked through on dry ground, got into the wilderness. You know the story. They were supernaturally provided for in terms of of water in a desert that gets less than an inch of rain every 10 years. Uh, They were fed manna, uh, food from heaven, uh, every single morning. It was one of the most incredible experiences that you would have ever been able to experience had you lived during that time. And now God has brought them to Jordan's River, and they choose 12 spies to send into the promised land to bring back a report. The report was not designed to tell them whether it was a good land or a bad land. That was not what they were tasked to do. They were tasked with the responsibility to go in to find out what areas they should move into first. The lay of the land, as it were. Because it, w- it wouldn't have worked real well for them to invade a country that they didn't even know where the towns were. So they sent 12 spies into just kind of look at the land so they would know how to proceed. To the dismay of God, 10 of those spies came back and didn't care at all about where the cities were located. Instead, they began to pour out their fears. This is a land with tall walled cities and giants and we cannot take it. And Israel made the mistake of listening to these 10 spies rather than the two, Caleb and Joshua, who began to retort in their response and say, we can take the land. Didn't you guys just see what God did for us in Egypt three weeks ago? Didn't you just see what he did when he brought us through the Red Sea? Didn't you just see what he did for us in the middle of this desert? We're well able to take the land. The God that we serve is well able to bring us through. These people were persuaded by the negative reports brought by the ten spies. Listening to the wrong influences and fear rob more people of their destiny than anything else that I know of. Those two things, the wrong influences and fear, have caused more people to fall short than anything else that exists. Fear of failure, fear of loss, fear of sickness, fear of death, fear of embarrassment, fear of rejection, fear of so many things holds most people back from being who they could be for God or from doing what he sent them into this world to do for him. And trust me when I tell you, there's always somebody out there who will try to talk you out of what you believe. Always somebody who will tell you why you can't do it and it is impossible. And if you make the mistake of listening to them, you will shortchange yourself and come to the end of your life only having done a fraction of what God actually designed for you to accomplish. Moses literally had to go into intercession at that moment with God on behalf of the nation of Israel because God said, get out of my way, Moses. I can't, I'm, I'm not putting up with this. If they can see what I have done and then not trust me at this point, I need to get somebody else to work with. I'll start a new nation. 
that will be the vehicle through which will be born the Messiah. Because that was Israel's primary purpose in being created as a nation. They were to, to model God's holiness. Number two, they were to preserve the message of the, the oneness of God. And number three, they were to be the vehicle that brought Christ the Messiah into the world. God said, get out of the way, Moses. I'll raise up a new people and we'll start all over again and I'll fulfill all of the Abrahamic covenants and promises that I have made through a new people but not through them. And Moses on his face began to plead with God and God listened to him and God's response was the verse that I read to you when the Lord said in Numbers 14, I have pardoned them according to your word, Moses. But then he said, truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. They just got the opportunity to see the glory of the Lord. The rest of the world has not been privileged to see it. They had the opportunity to see me in action. And I'll, I'll do what you said, Moses. I'll continue to work with them, but I'm not happy with this situation. And I will tell you this, as surely as I'm God, as sure as I live, there's a day coming when it will not just be a nation that's going to see me at work. The whole world is going to be filled with my glory. That is one of the most incredible promises that you will find in the Bible. And that's why I also read the, the verse from Habakkuk. Habakkuk said it is going to be so overwhelmingly convincing as to what this actually is happening that it will, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters do the sea. Now, presently, that is not the state. In America, quite frankly, I blame the chaos that we see in our culture and that is found in everything. Chaos in everything. From politics to the absence of male leadership in the home to the gender confusion that exists in our nation... All of that is the result of this watered-down version of Christianity that exists today and its failure to know God. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not being ugly or mean. I'm saying what I say out of love. Because just being a Christian doesn't mean anything anymore. Everybody, go to any house. Nearly everybody will say they're a Christian. But they don't know the glory of the Lord. And we have to figure out where the problem is at if we're ever going to fix it. Boudreaux was very sick and had been slipping in and out of a coma for several weeks. Yet his wife, Cotille, had stayed right by his bedside every single day. And one day when he came to, he looked up and saw her and he motioned for her to come a little closer. And as she sat by him, held his hand... He whispered, eyes full of tears, and he said, I'd like to say something to you, honey. And he said, you done been with me through all the bad times. When I got fired, you were there to support me. When my business failed, you were there. When I got shot, you were right here by my side. When we lost the house, you stayed right here with me. When my health started failing, you were still with me. And you know what? And of course, she's just... Her heart is about to explode. And she squeezes his hand and looks at him and says, what is that, Cher? 
And Boudreaux looked up and said, I'm beginning to think you bad luck. That's what I'm beginning to <laughs> We need to figure out what the problem is. The world needs a church that has seen the glory of God. It is coming, but you're not going to hear that. It's already coming, but you're not going to hear that either. You're not going to see it on CNN or MSNBC. You're not going to see it on ABC, NBC. You're not going to see it on Fox. But the glory of the Lord is already breaking out in the world. It is. It is. I'm going to take a few moments just to show you a couple of videos. As you know, since the Arab Spring, Egypt has been in turmoil. Libya has fallen. There's just been huge chaos in the Middle East. You have Christians that are being, that are being killed with terrorist attacks. Thank you, Brother Michael. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. You have Christians that are being killed, targeted by terrorists in Egypt and other parts of the Middle East. The Coptic Church, which is the Christian church. This is their response in case you get the impression and watching about ISIS and Al-Qaeda and everything else that's going on and some crazy guy in Korea, North Korea, that the world is going the wrong direction, I want to tell you that God is still in control. Amen. After a terrorist event, 70,000, this is 70,000 Coptics got together, Coptic Christians, and they began to shout, and for 10 minutes, they would not stop. Yeshua, that's Jesus. Yeshua, Yeshua. Have you seen this? Put it up there. These are Arabs.
That's what God is doing in the world right now. And we're afraid to call ourselves Christians and stand for what the Bible teaches. They're standing at the cost of their lives. Shouting in the face of radical terrorists. Jesus, Jesus, Yeshua, 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 Yeshua. It's not just there. It's happening around the world. In the former communist nation of Poland in the city of Krakow, near the concentration camp, the death camp, Auschwitz, one of the most infamous of the death camps from World War II, where one and a half million people were killed, many of them Jews and Christians. Listen as three million believers, three million, joined together to sing how great is our God in English, Hebrew, and Polish. God's glory is coming.
Hallelujah. some praise. We worship you, mighty God. We worship you, mighty God. We worship you, mighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just last Sunday, the Karoo men's mighty men's gathering ended in South Africa. It was started by a farmer, and last weekend they had one and a half million men. Blacks, in that country they have Three different categories, blacks, whites, and what they call coloreds, which are a mixture. The government recognizes three different groups. They came together in the middle of that racially torn country to worship the mighty God and field this former's field, just filled it up, one and a half million men. God is at work in the earth, but you're never going to hear that from CNN. You're not going to hear that from MSNBC or ABC. But the day is coming when the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. And the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters do the sea. If I had time, I would show you clips from China, where they are so hungry that when they go to church and they're having to worship in underground or secret churches because the government is communist and doesn't want there to be any Christianity or mention of religion at all. 
when you go to church, one of the, one of the missionaries that, would, that sneaked into China, he was asked to speak, and they put him in a room that was so jam-packed that he was standing with his back against the wall facing the crowd that was there. And they didn't have room to be seated because it takes more room to sit down than it does to stand up. And with his back against the wall, he could reach out and touch the people on the, that were in the first row. That's how crowded the room was. And he asked, how long do you want me to speak? And they said, they started at 7.30 in the morning. They said, can you speak till late 30 at night? And he said, well, what about breaks? They said, we don't want any. Not for lunch, not for water, not for anything. We want to hear the word of God. They are so hungry that there is a hunger that is sweeping through red China right now. That's much like it still is in many places in Russia. You're not going to hear any of this. But I wanted you to know this was prophesied by God directly to Moses. That Moses, as surely as I live, the day will come when the whole earth will be covered with my glory. Amen. Why are spiritual coverings important? Because coverings of glory are only one of the eight different kinds of spiritual coverings that we've been talking about. And I'll speak on coverings of glory next week and then I'll move on to ministry coverings. Israel experienced a covering of God's glory. Their covering contained in it a measure of the glory of God. Until the time comes that the whole earth is filled with his glory, we are like Israel in the wilderness. And we also need a covering of glory. The day will come when you won't need a covering anymore. Because the earth will be filled with his glory. But until that time comes, like Israel, we need that covering. Amen. Amen. It does two incredibly important things. Coverings of glory first help us as God's people to experience the benefits of his glory in this broken world we live in that is filled with opposition and trouble just as the covering did for Israel in the wilderness. But secondly, coverings of glory demonstrate to the world around us that does not know God that God has a people. A people that he loves and has chosen to bless. And it not only demonstrates that God has a people, but it demonstrates that God is real and he is alive and he has lost none of his power and is far greater than all others that call themselves gods in this world. This is why coverings of glory are so important. The cloud that covered Israel in the wilderness was literally the manifest Visible glory of God. I don't know if you realize that. Exodus 40, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And remember that I, I, I pointed this out. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the 
glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. What filled the tabernacle? The cloud. And then it says the glory. The cloud and the glory were actually the same thing. It was the manifest presence of God. The same cloud also is what entered the temple that Solomon had just built, David's son, after he had prayed the dedicatory prayer for the temple. The priests began to worship the Lord. Worship is always directly related to a manifestation of God's glory. That's why when you saw three million people in Poland, a former communist nation, among them Jews, many of their ancestors had lost their lives in a concentration camp just outside of the city where that occurred. Krakow and the concentration camp of of Auschwitz. When you saw them get together and begin to worship God, it caused a reaction even here in this room many miles away from where it occurred there. Because worship is directly related to the manifestation of God's glory. So when Solomon dedicated the temple, Second Chronicles 5, it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. Did you hear that? Without keeping to their divisions. Right now, division is the big word that's in everybody's mind. Divided Republicans from Democrats and Democrats from Independents and Independents from Libertarians and divided black, white, whatever. Divided. And who is responsible for division? Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. It's the enemy that that divides. Psalms 133, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the oil, the precious oil that flowed down Aaron's beard even to the skirts of his garment. It's like the dew on Mount Hermon. It is there God commands a blessing. Where? Where does God command a blessing? Command a blessing. Doesn't give a blessing an option of whether it will show or not show. He commands that it appear. He commands blessing where there is no division, where there's unity. And when the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions, and the Levites who were the singers, all of those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthan, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed with white linen, symbolizing their integrity, their sanctification, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps. Indeed, it came to And with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets, indeed it came to pass. When the trumpeters and singers were as one, do you see that again? As one. To make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord. You see the worship there? And what were the two things that they began to proclaim? For he is good and for his mercy endures forever. That's what God wants to be known for, that he is good and his mercy endures forever. As they began to proclaim that, 
that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. There's that cloud again. And as with the verse in Exodus, remember this because I'll get back to it if not this Sunday, next Sunday. So that the priest could not continue ministering because of that cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. And you have the very same language. The house was filled with a cloud. And then the Bible explains what the cloud was. It was the glory of God. But you see, what many believers don't know is that God is promising that's going to happen all over again. Haggai 2, 6 and 7, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, God said, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. He's going to fill his temple again with glory. Only this time, God doesn't dwell in buildings made with hands. That verse was never fulfilled in Old Testament literature. Where is it going to reside? It's going to reside in his people. And that's why when I talked to you last week, I said the priest carried the Ark of the Covenant, which was the physical symbol of the glory of God in the earth. God wants his glory to be carried. When they stepped into the river of Jordan, the waters changed their chemical composition and stacked up. And the laws of nature were suspended until they got out of the water. And when they walked around the walls of Jericho, the walls failed because of the manifestation of the glory of God. My point is this, when God's glory is carried by humanity, anything, anything, anything can happen. And God says there's a day coming when that's going to occur. There was actually a man, before I close, who personally got to see the glory of God in the Old Testament. His name was Moses. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses asked God for six things. And I've segmented the verses and just numbered the points the things that he requested of God. And let's look at it. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your, sh- in your sight, number one, show me your way. I want to know your way, God. You cannot learn God's way without his word. And when American Christians don't even want to go to church every Sunday, we have a problem don't we? And when you have others who are willing to go to church Sunday after Sunday or stand in a crowd with 70,000 others in a country where they could lose their life for doing so. And they shout for the world here. They don't care if ISIS is there. They don't care if Al-Qaeda is there. Al-Shabaab. None of that. Yeshua, 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 Yeshua. Yeshua. We have to ask ourselves if we're really serious believers anymore. The second thing that Moses said is not only show me your way, but God, my request is that I may know you. And thirdly, that I I may find grace in your sight. And fourthly, consider that this nation is your people, God. These are your people. Look at us as your people. Take ownership of us, God. And God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses said back to God, if your presence does not go with us, this is the fifth request, do not bring us up from here. 
It's amazing how many people have church without God anywhere in the vicinity. How have we learned to implement and substitute structure for the presence of God? How did we ever learn to become satisfied with that and call that Christianity? But it happens in this nation all across our city, our state, and the other 49 states, and it's going on right now. He said, I, I don't want to do this if you're not in it, God. I don't want to do this if you're not in it. And then he said, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? For we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. When Joy Griffin came to the office this morning to tell me about her experience in service while she was having tachycardia and Lloyd called her out and said, where's Joy? She, she broke down into tears and she said, Pastor, he knows me by name. And then Moses said, the sixth request, please show me your glory. It is his last request that I want to spend just a few minutes on because like Moses, I want God to show me his way. I want to know him. I also want to find grace in his eyes, and I also want him to call us his people. And I certainly want him to be with us continually. But even more, I want him to show us his glory. I know the day is coming when the earth will be covered with it. But until then, I need a covering just like Israel had in the wilderness. Of the glory of God. The more I look at this, the more I'm beginning to wonder if these six requests are not actually a, a progression of sorts. You see, you might not know this, but Isaiah 45 15, Isaiah said, Verily thou art a God that hidest thyself, O God of Israel the Savior. You didn't know that, did you, that God actually hides himself? God hides himself. He doesn't allow everybody to find him. You ever read that passage? It says, enter in at the narrow gate, for broad is the way, and wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many there will be that go in thereat, but narrow is the way that leads unto life. And what did he say? And few there be that find it. It comes as a shock to some people that God actually hides himself. God doesn't allow people to just grab him. Remember the angels on the back of the Ark of the Covenant that stood to protect the, the mercy of God because it is so abundant that angels have to literally protect the mercy of God lest, lest the mercy of God in its abundance and richness be abused by people who are not worthy of it. They have to literally be there to guard it. If you don't seek him and you don't want to know him, I'm talking just as a rule of principle here, a, a fact of life. 
You don't have to worry about God forcing you to become a child of God. He hides himself until people get hungry. Moses went on to experience and be shown the manifest glory of God and his prayer to see God's glory was granted. So my question is, after reading these six requests, and the last one is, show me your glory, could these actually be six steps towards seeing his glory? That is, that as we, number one, learn his ways, as they are revealed to us in his word and align our lives with them, that we come, number two, to know him more? Because that was the second request, to know him. And then as we come to know him more fully, do we then find greater grace, which was the third point, third request in God's eyes? And as we find grace in God's eyes, then do we cease to be mere acquaintances? And does he then begin to call us his special or chosen people? The word in the Old Testament was peculiar. It meant treasured people. In other words, people with whom God was intimate, who knew him intimately. And as we become his intimate acquaintances, number five, do we then go from just visiting him on occasion when we go to church to actually abiding in his presence? And could it be that when you begin to abide in his presence that maybe you get to see what casual acquaintances who only visit him once in a while never get to see, and that is his glory. That seems to be what Psalms 91 infers, for it states, he, notice the qualifier, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. That's not everybody's verse, but it's the one that has learned to abide in the presence of God. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall, here it is again, abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He gets to say something someone else doesn't get to say. You know who wrote that? It was Moses, the very guy who gives us this six-step progression. Could it be that Psalms 91 is actually written out of his personal experience? That he will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my strength. My God, in him will I trust. And then go on to say that a thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand. Yet it shall not come nigh thee. Amen. Amen. What can a covering of glory do for you? Because that's what I'm talking about, coverings of glory. This church has been visited by a visitation of the manifest glory of God. Maybe I'll tell more about that next Sunday. But in one Sunday morning, we had something happen, and Tommy Tenney went and wrote a book about it, The God Chasers. Some of you don't even know that happened here. That's because the one thing I can't do is commercialize the glory of God. Paul Crouch, before he died, thought I was crazy. They wanted to come here and film from this church what had happened and could not understand why I turned him down and said no and told people, what's the matter with him? Doesn't he know what this will do? The crowds that will come, I've got news for you. There's a difference in a crowd and a church. Amen. Amen. And I'm not saying that with any disrespect. My role in all of that was to be a custodian of the glory. I had to protect it. 
I couldn't let it be commercialized or made into merchandise. Couldn't do that. Couldn't do it. Sorry. When you have a, you, and, and this church has been touched by that measure. So when you become a part of Christian Tabernacle, that is in the covering that you have just allowed to become your covering. Amen. You say, well, what benefit do I derive from it? And I'm closing with this. The first thing it does is that it causes, is what it causes to happen in you. Well, what happens in you when you get a covering of glory? First thing it does is it changes your perspective. You don't see things the same ever again once you've seen the manifest glory of God. Isaiah saw it, and this is what he said. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Angels flew before him, two wings that covered their faces and to their feet, and with two they did fly, and they cried, Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of hosts. It changes your perspective about a lot of things. Secondly, when you have a covering of glory, it causes you to experience spiritual immunity because that is actually what Psalms 91 is about. A thousand will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come nigh you or your dwelling. What does that mean? You develop immunity. There's a lot of debate these days about whether vaccinations are good or not. All I know is they've kept me from getting chicken pox, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. They've kept me from getting a lot of stuff. Now, I've had cholera in third world countries where there was contamination of the disease. I've had malaria. I wish they would develop a vaccine for malaria. Every once in a while, I get my vaccinations renewed. You know why? Because I'm in and out of areas where I am exposed to things that are virulent and dangerous. When you have a spiritual covering that contains a measure of glory, the enemy can't get at you because you've been vaccinated against the horn that he brings into your life. Amen. Thirdly, it changes and accelerates your season. Amen. Coverings of glory do that. When there's a shift in your covering, everything under that covering experiences a shift. I feel such an anointing of God in this place. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Everything under a covering experiences it. You say, I haven't yet. That's why I'm teaching it. Because also what you need to know is that everything in the kingdom of God is apprehended and received by placing a demand upon the anointing. And the way you do that is through faith. So I'm preaching the word because faith comes by hearing and that by a word from God. And once you get the word inside, your expectations rise. You look at things differently and you begin to receive things you never would have received without a word from God. It changes and accelerates your season. Number four, it causes a suspension of the normal laws that ordinarily apply. That is, it changes the rules. I don't know how to say it any better than that. It changes the rules. You are accustomed to living life with certain rules in place. 
and you have learned what works and doesn't work. Let me tell you about another dimension that causes those rules to be canceled and a new set of rules to begin to apply. I need somebody to just say, devil, the rules have changed. Amen. Things are different now at my house. Things are different in my life. What worked yesterday won't work with me today. And what didn't let me go anywhere yesterday has got to get out of my way today because I've got a covering. I'm walking in a different measure. Amen. As I mentioned last week, that's precisely what happened at Jordan River. The waters, literally the physical properties changed. The chemical composition of the water was altered in some way. There are more than three forms of liquid. That is water, gas, vapor. There is a third, a fourth rather, state. And that's whenever the glory of God touches water. And it begins to stack up like you stack up a stack of pancakes. That's what happened. And Israel caught, crossed over on dry ground. The rules changed. That's what I'm trying to tell you. God can cause a reversal in your situation when you're under the glory of God. Maybe I need to go way back. Anybody remember this? Put your hands like this. Are you ready? Now do this. That's called divine reversal. God can change it in a moment. God can change everything about you right now. God can change the family situation. God can change your financial situation, your business situation. God can change you in just a moment of time. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Amen. Fifthly, it causes a release of, the under, of an understanding of divine strategies. When you are under a covering of glory, or you have the glory of God begin to manifest itself in your life, it can manifest yourself, itself in the simple revelation of strategies that you never would have been able to think of by yourself. Time and time again... We read how Israel was able with a small and poorly equipped army to defeat a much larger force who were well armed simply by the implementation of a strategy that God revealed at the last moment. Jehoshaphat sent the worshipers out first. Why worshipers? I've already told you. Worship is inextricably connected to a manifestation of the glory of God. You begin to worship, watch out. Something's going to happen that is beyond the rules that normally apply. And in the middle of worship, God released a strategy that, can, that changed everything, that, that, that literally altered the outcome. Another strategy. Moses is watching Israel fight down in the valley, and they're losing. That's a bad place for Israel to be. And so in despair, he, he's an intercessor. We've already seen that because he interceded with God on behalf of Israel and God did not destroy Israel because of Moses' prayer of intercession. So Moses is sitting there watching the battle, and Israel begins to lose in, in desperation and in intercession. He's, oh, God! And he begins to pray, throws his hands up. And the tide of battle instantly turns, and Israel begins to win. And Moses says, thank you for hearing me, God, and puts his hands down. And the battle reverses and goes back the other way, and the enemy is now winning. And Moses goes back in intercession. Oh, God. And the battle turns and Israel begins to win. So he relaxes and puts his hands down. The battle goes back the other way.
Aaron and her, come help me hold my arms up. Amen. I'm an old man. I'm getting tired, but I figured something out here. What is the point I'm making? You see, I don't know what this means in the spirit dimension. Maybe what it means is God sends some angels. But something was happening when Moses' hands were in the air. Number six, not only does a covering of glory affect you, it also has a devastating effect on the enemy. While it affects you in a positive manner, it is catastrophic to the forces of the enemy that are plotting against you. Oh, somebody in the building, say amen. They dig a pit and end up falling into the pit they were digging for you. Somebody can be plotting against you, but if you can get into the presence of the glory of God, they'll end up falling into the trap they were trying to set for you. And I feel it in the Holy Spirit. I'm talking to somebody right now. I'm talking to somebody. Somebody's been plotting against you. Somebody's been conniving. Somebody's been scheming. The way to you for you to deal with that is not to go have a fight with anybody. It's get into the presence of God and watch God turn it around for you. Because you know what's going to happen? I, oh, I feel something. Can I prophesy right now? Somebody that the enemy's trying to cause to be put down is going to get a promotion out of it. If you will just worship God. Did y'all hear about that uh, American airline flight attendant? I was so bad on plane. Sit down. I'm done. But sit down. And some guy jumped up. He had hit a woman with a stroller that she was carrying. and Just terrible. Horrific. And some guy jumped up and said, you do that to me, I'll knock you down. And he starts saying, go ahead. Hit me. Hit me. You're going to be like that guy. When you find out that when the enemy attacks you, God turns it into a blessing. You're going to be saying to the devil, hit me. Come on, come on. Hit me. Hit me. Go ahead. I dare you. Right there. Give it to me. Right there. Because you don't know it. I got a blessing coming every time you attack me. I got a promotion coming out of this. Somebody ought to praise him right now. I'm done. I'll have to finish this next week. Not only does a covering of glory radically affect your life and devastates the enemy as well, it also has a huge impact on the world around you and that it causes them to begin to glorify God because of what they see he is doing in you. Instead of your neighbors fighting you because you're a child of God, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get out on Sunday morning, and he and his wife are going to be in their car. Slump, slump down, Mabel. Don't let them see you. And you start out and back out of the drive, and you're going to look over, and they got a newspaper held up so you can't see who it is. And then when you drive to church, you look in the rearview mirror, and three car lengths behind you, there they are. Slump down, Mabel. Don't let them them see you. As they try to figure out what your source is, 
Because when once you have a covering of glory, it opens up heaven over your life and you become a living testimony to the goodness and the greatness of the mighty God of heaven that we serve. And God uses the blessing he's giving you to inspire others to want to serve him. Somebody give him praise. Pastor Donnie, you're going to have to come finish this for me. See you next Sunday. God bless you.